So let's read together. Titus chapter 2, starting at verse 1. This is Paul writing to Titus. You, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what's good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what's good. In your teaching, show integrity seriousness and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. Let's pray for us, and let's pray for Paul as he comes, Paul. Father, we thank you for your word, the Bible. Lord, we thank you that you speak through it. And so we pray now for us. Holy Spirit, would you teach us? And Lord, we pray for Paul. Would you fill him with your spirit, that as he speaks, we'll be aware that you, the God of heaven, are speaking through him. Lord, we're open. We choose to hear what you have to say to us. Meet with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good afternoon or morning, depending on the hour of the time. <laughs> um, right, um, as you know, I'm going to be sharing the word today, and this is how it started. It's his fault. Two months ago, Tim, did, Tim asked me to share the word, and I thought, oh, that's excited. Sounds very good. I got all excited. I told my wife, I said, honey, <laughs> I'm going to be sharing the word. And she got all excited. And she said, but what are you preaching on? I said, I have absolutely no idea. I haven't a clue, but it doesn't matter because I'm sure Tim's going to tell me to follow my heart, follow my spirit, whatever God is saying, share. So a month went by and then Tim emailed me. He says, oh, Paul, this is what you're going to be talking about, Titus 2. So I went, Titus, oh. I haven't read that in a while. Let's see, what that's, let's see what it's about. So I looked it up and went on the internet and pulled it up. Oh, oh, oh. And I looked at the subject and I carried on reading and I went, oh, women. Oh, <laughs> okay, that's, that's interesting. Oh, submissive. Okay, right. And I read it a bit more and I went, and by the time I finished, I was convinced Tim made a mistake. <laughs> so I, 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 I emailed Tim and said, Tim, just to, you know, check is this really the scripture because there's a lot of stuff in here that is you know i don't want to be stoned before i leave the church you know no it's true ask him i, I, I declined suddenly you know so tim wrote that email bit paul it's going to be all right read it again you know and i, and I read it and i thought yeah but what is he seeing that i'm not i'm just seeing all these stones that, that, that's it, you know, and, and Tim said, read it again, and I, went, and I read it, and I read it, and on the third time I read it, I got it. There was a light moment, and I, I, God gave me a scripture, and I went, oh, 
lovely. I said, I could start with that. So I've got it all down here written, so don't worry. And then I told my wife, I said, honey, um, I'm going to be preaching. She says, yes, I know. I'm so excited. What are you preaching on? This is the Bible, you know, the Word of God, things in there, stuff. I said, yeah, but what? Titus and women submissive. Anyway, so, you know, and so as I left, left, left the living room, I heard her, her words shout, don't you dare preach about me. And that was it. So, so that, that, that sorted everything out. Anyway, right. So I'm going to try and leave her out of the scriptures. Right, <clears throat> right, okay. So let's take you on a journey. The qu- first question I want to ask you is, how can people tell if you're a Christian? Do we have a halo over our head? You know, do I shine? <laughs> you know, what is it that people can identify you as a Christian? Okay, is it your dress sense? Is it your good deeds? Is it your character, your personality? Will the real Christians just stand up? How can we tell? In my day, when I was a, when I was a young kid, you know, I'm a family of nine and we were very religious. We all went to church regularly, three times on a Sunday and two times in the week. Anyway, and we had to dress up to go to church. We, happened, we had to wear a suit. Yes, I'm in a suit now, but we had to wear a suit at the time. We couldn't go with jeans, T-shirts, and then some. It wasn't holy. Okay, you had to make an effort. So we put on our suit and everything, and I would walk to church with my family, and, and, my peop- and some friends of mine would spot me, school kids, and go, hey, is that Paul? Paul! And I'd pretend I didn't see them, you know, totally deny the Lord. And they said, Paul, you going to church? I went, no, no, I'm going to friend house. Just happened to put on a suit to dress for the case. <laughs> that, that's all really, you know. I, I, you know. Or I say, oh, no, no, I was partying the night before. And, you know. You know, so they identify. I said, no, you went to church because you always dressed up and the women wear the hats and everything, all bright colors and everything. So that's how they used to identify that, you know, I went to church. So the question begs, how do we identify a Christian. And the next slide has got some personalities up, up there. You know, you've got some famous faces that are known specifically for either their works in the community or their, their celebrity status or their character in terms of filmmaking or their, their role within the society. So we can pick through a few things and you can get some ideas of, oh, I know about them simply because of what they're associated with. However, we as Christians, me and you, how are we identified as Christ? And this beautiful scripture that stood out while I was looking at this scripture, in John 13, 34, 35 says, we are to be light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. And I began to just meditate on that. Meditate on it with me as the scripture says, we are light of the world. You me, we're a light. We may not realize it, but we are. We are a light. And we are a light that needs to be visible within the world that we live in. We are to be a light that is not hidden, not hidden away in a corner somewhere. We are to be seen so people can view that light and gain hope. We're not to be, we are to be looked upon and not shunned. And we are to shine in this dark world. Now, it's a concept to a degree that people are not necessarily familiar with when it comes to the light of God. But God says he wants us to be a light. Now, 
We can be a light in the earth in a lot of ways. We can be a light in our schools, our colleges, our universities, our place at work, our community, our place of dwelling. We can be that light if we choose to be. We can be the light of God, which is really, really important. But you have to make that decision to be that light. And I looked at the question, I thought, hmm, light. Turn to somebody right next to you and say, you're the light. It's okay, it's all right, it's okay, you can do that. Now they may not look like the light, <laughs> please. But now do it with boldness and confidence. Tell somebody, you're the light. Go on, there you go, that's it. Okay, now there's a reason for this, because sometimes we don't think that we're anything. People put us down, people give us a description of ourselves that is anything but the light to anyone. But God says we are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. So as we go through today, we're gonna have a change of our concept because we are the light, and God wants you to see yourself as important. Now in the book of Titus, it, it speaks, the, the, the letter that was written by Paul kind of explains a few things. It explains that we wanted to remind young pastors to preach sound doctrine. Not just to preach anything, but sound doctrine that brought glory to God, that brought order and structure. And also they wanted to give helpful advice to deal with members of the church. And Paul wanted to develop leaders, a bit like us today, develop leaders that would go out in the community and be an example of what Christ was all about. And you and me fall into that category where there is structure, where there is principles, where there is guidance that in the word of God just to show us how to live a godly life. But Paul had some serious concerns with the church. The church of Titus. Or Titus was a person, the church was called Crete. There were serious issues. And some of the issues we're gonna explore in just a minute. Houston, we have a problem, as you can see. Part of the church, they, they had a history of being drunk continually. Obviously, we don't have the problem here. But they were literally drunk all day. Their character and their mannerism demonstrated that they had no self-control. They were liars, compulsive liars. In other words, they did not know how to tell the truth. They made up ways just to express themselves and, and lie, so they would lie to each other, and it was commonplace. This was just a little bit about what the church was like. They had no self-control. They were full of gluttony, and they ate, and they done things without restraint. This was the church that the letter was written to at the time. And their language, they were vulgar in speech. So they never had control of what they said, and you know, they would, what we would call swear words today, they would probably use all the letters of the alphabet just to display what they were trying to say. So there wasn't a church that displayed the character and the presence of God. So you couldn't identify them as being Christ-like, and they did not let their light shine. So this letter was written on the backdrop of that. So I'm gonna ask another question. Who is following you in your life? Think about it for a moment. Think about people that come in contact with you. Are you leading people to Christ? Or are you leading people away from Christ? 
Now only you can answer that because only you know the people you come in contact with. But you have a light and people will follow that light. People will look at you and people will make a judgment call as to whether or not they want to be with you, to whether they want to associate with you or not. Okay? So this is just one of the ways that you can ask yourself a question. Am I leading people to Christ or am I leading people away? What could a follower of Christ look like anyway? You know, what are the examples that is there for us in our schools, our colleges, our workplace, our community, our friendships? How can we be that example of the light that God wants? Well, there's a lot of ways we can actually do that. So what I'm going to be doing in the next couple of slides, chapter 2 of Titus gives a demonstration of the whole community on how we are to live, how we are to conduct ourselves, how we are to be the light in this world. And we're going to talk about men, women, older men, or mature men and mature women. We're going to talk about a few things. Now, if any of these words stand out, don't hit me, okay? Just embrace it and say, okay, that's me, and take it and say, okay, I'll accept that that is something that I need to work with. Okay, so we're going to be talking about a few things as, as we just go through some of the scriptures here. Mature men. Now, you decide whether you are a mature man or not. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not pointing any fingers. Okay, so for mature men, you don't have to stand up. It tells mature men to be sober because there was a main issue at the church about drinking. He didn't say, don't drink. I know some of you are saying, shoo, wow. I can keep that drink. No, he's saying don't get drunk because they were problematic issues when people got drunk. They did not know how to contain themselves. And it says be sensible. Mature men, be sensible. Now you can look at that in a number of ways, but that's one of the things that as mature men, we need to be, we need to be examples. Having self-control, that means you don't fly off the handle, you don't do things compulsively, and you don't do things to the extreme, have self-control about your mannerism, your personality, the way you act. Sound in faith, mature men needed to be sound in faith. Have a ground version of the word, have a word that is strong, sound in God, know what they're talking about. Not be double-minded. And then it went on to say sound in love and endurance. And these are just some of the qualities that it was expected a mature person, a mature man would have. And then he went on to say, be patient. And we all need patience. Men need to be patient when they're working with people, when they're working with younger men, when they're working with circumstances. Thank you. <laughs> you, you know, so I knew someone would agree with me, okay? So we, ne we need to be that. And then it went on to the mature women. Mature women needed to be not slanderous, not slandering someone just because they didn't like that person. Not saying bad things, ruining their reputation. And then we get on to gossip. Oops, oops, Daisy. It was a touchy subject, gossip. Because to some degree, we like, we like to hear things. Okay, but it tells women not to be gossipers. So when you get that phone call, or someone knocks on your door, ding, ding, and you open it. Oh, hello, Mrs. Green, hello, how are you? Oh, I'm all right. Is everything all right? Yes, everything's fine, everything's wonderful. Oh, I'm just thinking about Mrs. You know, Mrs. Brown. Oh, oh, oh. 
I know I wasn't actually. Sorry, love. Sorry, love. Okay. Oh, Lord, help us, Jesus, Lord. Okay, that's no dinner today. Okay, that's fine. Oh, day. Okay, right. Mrs. Green. Shall we just change the subject quietly? So Miss Green comes in and she says, oh, having a cup of tea. And says, oh, what's, is anything going on today? Oh, nothing really apart from what's happened to Mrs. Philip. Mrs. Philip? Oh, yeah, yeah I'm not going to mention anything. No, <laughs> not for me to say, really. It's not. W- what about it? Oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. It's not for me to say. I mean, who am I? <laughs> well, we'll have, we'll have a biscuit then. Yeah, sure, sure. So, so you're not going to tell me that, well, you know, I'm sworn to secrecy. I'm, you know, I'm not really supposed to say anything, but, you know. <laughs> All right, I'll tell you then, but listen, it's between me and you. It goes no further than the kitchen sink. <laughs> okay, before you know, they have a wonderful conversation about this person down the road that did this, did, did that, and then they leave. And then another phone rings. Oh, hello. You're not going to believe what I heard, but it's between me and you. Listen, don't, no, no, don't tell anybody. Be- before you know it, it's all over the place. So it's telling us, don't, don't be gossipers. And, th- and not to be addicted to much wine. Okay, because in those days, there were no restraints. Women just drank and no control. But he say, listen, part of an example is don't be addicted to wine. And teach what is good. And this was a mature woman teaching what is good to the younger women. So there was an example that, hey, you have a responsibility to share with the young women things that are good, morals, good judgment, and also encouraging women. And younger women need encouragement. If you see that they do something great, encourage them. Say, well done, fantastic, you were brilliant, you're on your way. I can see you maturing into a wonderful woman, yeah. You know, be encouraging. Mature women had the ability to do that. And that was one of the things that, that was characterized as shining their light. And then it went on into younger women loving their husbands. And the reason why that's in there, because at the time, a number of women were forced into marriages at the time of the season. And some would be, have arranged marriages and some would marry, not for love. It was customary that they married for finances and other things. So they found themselves in a relationship where I have no idea who this man is. I did not fall in love with him. I did not want to get married. So what do I do? Well, he was saying, listen, be an example to him. Be an example of Christ to him. Love your husbands because they had the ability to love that person and love this one over here and love this one over here and it didn't matter to them. But here it was saying, listen, love your husband. Love your children. Because at the time, some of them had arrangements where they had a number of people that could look after their children, so they didn't have to. So here it gave a clear indication, listen, they're your responsibility, love your children. And be a keeper of the home, because some of them had different types of duties. And they weren't home a lot. And they were doing different things that they didn't require to, 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 to be homemakers. So today, we're in a society where, where sometimes both partners work. And it's difficult to make that type of arrangement. Well, here it just illustrates that, listen, it's okay. You know, do what you can. Be a homemaker. Be good. Be kind. And this was just some of the the attributes that they wanted young women to follow. Be good. Be kind. Yes, just be good. Be kind to people, to other people that you meet. And then it went on to say, be self-controlled and be pure. Because there was an issue of morals where people almost didn't have a boundary as what was right and what was wrong and what was morally acceptable. And then it says having godly and sacrificial relationships, which is a big one across the board, where women could decide, you know what, I want to be in a godly relationship. 
I don't want to be in this relationship over here that doesn't reflect Christ. And it's very difficult at times to know where the boundaries are. And yet here it was, it was illustrating, have a godly relationship, have a sacrificial relationship. And then it went on into the young men. And young men, it said, be sensible. Be self-controlled. And it's very hard at times when you see men not having self-control. Saying, oh, well, I just did it because I felt like it. I had no restraints. Uh, it was just my feelings. It's just the way we are. And whether that be drinking or whether that be acting inappropriately, we need to pull right all the way back and have some self-control. Be good example of good deeds, it was saying. And then pure in doctrine. Pure and be dignified. Have a way about them that brings glory to God in a sense where people can say, you know, that person has something about them. The way they conduct themselves, it displays goodness. It displays dignity and sound in speech because if the church of Cretan, their biggest problem was their language. They spoke in such a way that it was vulgar to the point where it was horrible to hear. And in the society which we're living in, you could be in a situation where everybody uses vulgar language. Everybody swears at some point and it's normal. So you almost want to adapt, and if it doesn't shock you anymore when someone says a, says a bad word or uses various letters of the alphabet. So we need to pull back and think, you know what? That's not something I want to do. That's not how my light will shine. I don't want my light to shine like that. And this wonderful phrase here which says, so that there is nothing bad to say about them. And the interesting thing is we are all going to be criticized there's somebody always going to have something bad to say. But the interesting thing is, is what they're saying sticks? Does what they're saying resonate with you? Is there any truth to what they're saying? And if it is, we can say, okay, you caught me there. I did say that bad word or I did act in that particular way. I'll deal with that with me and the Lord, which is okay. But if you're acting in a way that God would have us to act, it can be of such that if they criticize you, they have nowhere to go with it. In other words, you know what? That's not like so-and-so. That's not like so-and-so, because I know them. I've seen their character. I've seen the way that they are. They actually shine. They actually draw people to, to themselves. And God wants us to be that light. And then we get on to this next pattern, which is the title says slaves, but it's not, because slaves in those days had a different connotation, a different meaning to the way we see it. So I put it down to working for someone. If you're under authority, under a boss, and you're working for a boss, you fit into this, cat to this category. Being obedient, being obedient to your boss at work. But what do, what do I mean by that? Well, if your boss tells you to do something that is reasonable, you do it, because he's the boss. You don't sit there and go, well, I don't think I should do that. I don't think I should, you know, whether they pay me or not, I just don't, I don't agree. No, sorry. Or don't be argumentative, because we can be very argumentative. Uh, I, no, I don't agree with that. What do you mean, put that over there? But you, can you explain that? Can you explain why I should do what? What, what do you want? Well, I, don't think, I just don't think it looks right. And you have this argument between you and your boss. Well, the scripture was saying, no, don't, don't be argumentative, okay? If you have to say something, then you say it once. If he doesn't agree, then that's fine. But don't sit down and have a toe-to-toe -to -toe and say, no, 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 no. Well, until I agree, until I see that it's right, I'm not doing it. All right, he's saying, no, respect your boss. And then it also goes on to say, don't steal. Now, that sounds almost obvious, but in today's society, you know, there is a surplus of everything. And in the society, in when this was written, the issue was there was so much wealth around that it was easier to steal. 
It was easy to take this and it was easy to take that. And we might be in a situation where it's easy to take that bar of chocolate, it's easy to take that pen, it's easy to, to take things because it's in surplus. But here it's saying, no, don't steal, put it back. Okay? <laughs> and we all, we all tempted. The three pens, oh, they don't need all that. You know? All those, those papers, oh, I'll just photocopy this. See? Why? Because everybody's doing it. Okay? And then it says, be fully trustworthy. What does that mean? It means basically people need to be able to trust you. When they say, George, can you go over there and can you do this particular job and can you run that particular uh, corner of work, they can come back and find that you've done it or that you're working. And not that you're playing or you're flinging papers across the office or you know, you're acting in a particular way and they come in and go, well, what's going on? Oh, sorry, we were, just, we were just having a thing here. No, but I trusted you to, to look after my work. I trusted you to do this particular job. I trusted you with my possessions. So we have to be trustworthy. And this is just part of being an example of being a light, a light in this world. And also the last part, it says, speak words that are fitting. Speak words that lift people up, not pull them down. Speak words in the right season. Speak words in the right circumstance. Don't say things that you don't mean. Speak in a way where people can say, you spoke well in that situation. So these are just some of the examples that were given. Now, I realize that we all come from different walks of life and we all come from different circumstances. And what I notice most is that we're all at different levels. But in Galatians 5, it speaks about the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, generosity, peace, faithfulness, patience, and kindness are what we consider as fruits of the Spirit of God that make our character shine. But some of us might be at a level where we're feeling, you know, you don't know about me, you don't know about my relationship, you don't know about my husband, you don't know about my wife, you don't know about my, my brother, my sister, my friend, you don't know about these work situations I'm in. It's difficult. And it's easy for you to say, I must be this and I must walk in love. But what I would say to everyone here, because we're all in different situations, that you might be in a situation where you haven't got a godly husband, you haven't got a godly wife, you haven't got good friends around you that are example. You ha your work situation might be awful, might be terrible. But what we need to do is take one step at a time and understand that God has given us the fruit of the Spirit. And these fruits are seed form that need to mature and need to grow. So we could be in a position where you say, you know, Lord, I need to walk in love, but my love is so small it's like a mustard seed. And that's fine, but God would allow you to take one step at a time and walk into a situation, whether you be at home or whether you be at work, and say, right, take one step forward. How do I walk in love? Or how do I walk in peace? How do I walk in joy? How do I walk in long-suffering? Towards the person or the persons to whom you need to shine your light. But take your time. It won't happen overnight. Understand that it's going to take time for the fruit of God to manifest in your life. And it might be God might just want you to keep quiet in a, in a bad situation. God might want you just to be good in a situation. Go home and I'm just going to be good. I'm just going to do this particular thing that I know that is going to please him or her. And that alone could be the light that he might see to stop in his tracks or in her tracks. Or your boss to look at him and say, wait a minute, she's not acting the way that she normally acts towards me. 
Why? Because now you're operating in the light of God. Now you're operating under a fruit of the Spirit. Maybe joy, maybe peace, maybe long suffering, maybe gentleness, maybe goodness, maybe meekness, maybe temperance, maybe faith. But you are operating in seed form, and that seed then will grow into a fruit, and eventually they'll see it and go, wow, something's changed. Something's changing you. It could be at your work, it could be at college, you could be a university student, and you could say, you know what, this is the way that people act. But I'm going to act this way towards that girl. I'm going to act this way towards that boy. I'm going to act this way in terms of restraint. I'm going to act this way that shows I'm pure. I'm going to act this way that shows that I am a light which is different to what they have seen before. Let me give you an example in closing. Um, I was, uh, it was about at least six months ago, and um, a lady across, a neighbor of ours, came across the road and came to our house, and she rang our bell, and you know, she, my wife opened the door to greet her, in the name of the Lord. And she looked at my wife and said, could you tell your husband to move his car? He's parked right outside my house and I can't get my car out and it's gonna hit it and he shouldn't park there, he should park down the road. And and she went off on one. And of course my wife called me. I said, darling, I said, what's the matter? She just just tore into me, told me to move it. I said, she did what? She tore, I said, hold on a minute, she said what? She told me to move my beautiful car out of her driveway. Well, hold on a minute, she don't even know the road. I pay my tax, the same as her. And I got, I got upset. I said, right, that's it, that's it. That's it. I, don't, I said, darling, don't you worry about it. I got this, I sort this. I'm going over there. No, I'm not phoning. I'm going right over there right now. I got, I got all excited. I said, right. I got angry and I said, right, darling, I saw, I'll handle this. I got it, sort it, you stay there. And I, Walked across that road, left my wife in the house, left Jesus right at the door, and I got over there. I said, "Right, no, listen. Sometimes we leave Jesus, okay?" And I said, "Lord, I got this. It's okay. I sort this. You're telling me about my. I pay my taxes. I pay hundred and something pounds a year. I park anywhere I like." And I went across the road, and I was filming. I said, "I'm having it out with her." And I got to the door and I pressed that button. <laughs> Didn't take my finger off. <laughs> you know, and she came out, she was ready for a fight. She came out. <laughs> and I thought, oh, are you ready for a fight? So, well, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear Lord, God. And she was ready, and I was ready, round one. You know, and then a thought came to me, hold on a minute, you're a Christian. And? What's that got to do with anything? And I thought, yeah, but if you're a Christian, how is she gonna, how is she gonna react if you're gonna act like this? How is, you know, you're gonna, you know, what is she gonna think after this is all over? And I thought, oh, okay, that's a good question, I don't know. And secondly, you're a Christian, you're gonna walk out with your guitar, going to church, and you work for the council, and then some, how's it all gonna end? How's she gonna perceive you? And then a thought came, came to my mind, a kind word turns away wrath. And I thought, oh. Oh, yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, okay. And you're supposed to walk in love. You're supposed to be a light to this neighbor that doesn't know that you're a Christian. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's true. How am I going to work this one out? So I pulled back just a little bit, stood by the, by the road, and she came out blazing, guns blazing and everything. And her husband, he was just sitting, by, he was sitting at the front and going, <laughs> you know, pretending he was doing something with his, you know, screwdriver. And she went off, 
she, and for about 10 minutes, she just waffled and criticized everybody in the whole neighborhood, including me. And eventually, I calmed down. And I felt, okay, Paul, you're calm now. You're calm. And then I said to her, listen, look, um, can we just kind of um, come to an agreement? You know, I won't park here, providing there is, you know, there's no space. And she says, okay, okay, okay. It's just I've had so much, I said, I appreciate you had so much trouble. I understand. Okay, but, you know, I won't park here if there's space over my side of the road. How does that work for you? And it calmed the whole situation down. And I was able to see her a couple of weeks later, you know, and just do a wave. But it taught me something that I am a light. And wherever I go, people are watching me. And wherever you go, people are watching you. And you affect people whether you like it or you don't. And people either gravitate to Christ or they'll gravitate away. They'll either gravitate to you with the love of God or they'll pull back. And you might be in a difficult situation. You might say, Lord, help me. Help me in the circumstances that I'm in right now. Because at the end of the day, you know what that home is like or you know what that office is like or you know what that university is like or you know what that school is like. And God will help you if you make a decision to be the light. Remember, you are the light. God has put you in a position that you are going to shine. He wants you to shine. So you might be in here today and you might be thinking, well, I'm not, you know, I don't know the light. I don't know Jesus. Well, that can be, that can be met today. And you might be in a position where you're saying, well, in my life, I know I'm not the light that I should be. Well, you can start today to bear forth the fruits of the Spirit and become the light that God wants you to be today and let your light shine before this world that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven.